Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. And uh, this is lesson two, and uh, uh, we're going to focus today on um, Romans chapter 5 and the first 10 verses. There is some absolutely amazing, amazing things in these 10 verses. It will not be possible for me to go into the depth of all the the, uh, the elements of <clears throat> the things that God is saying to us in these 10 verses. Uh, it's not possible. This These 10 verses could easily be easy, uh, 10 different lessons, a lesson on each verse. But that's not what the Lord has uh, directed me to do now. In fact, <clears throat> the first two verses could be made into five to seven lessons all by themselves. And so I'll read it. You'll get some idea of what we're talking about here. The, t- the title of this lesson is God Recommends His Love to Us. Uh, I'm going to read all of the, the ten verses, and then I'll come back and begin to comment on them as the Spirit of the Lord leads. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For, that's a conjunction, saying that everything has just taken, just been stated, this is the reason for it. This is the, the background, the foundation of it. For, When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, or the Greek is literally in our language today, recommends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies being reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, <laughs> in this lesson, I, I'm going to actually start... Uh, commenting with verse 6, and I I want to come back, whether in this lesson or uh, uh, the next couple of lessons, uh, I want to come back and discuss really the work of the love of God in our life that's defined very in detail in uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. But let's, let's, let's talk about the foundation of this first. Let's talk about the foundation. Uh, the foundation of every, all the work of the love of God in our life is the love of God. And so 
so the, these verses started with verse 6 through verse 10 especially. The Lord is telling us his motive and his perspective behind love and what we, how we should look at that love from his perspective. We should look at that love so that his perspective of, of his love affects our perspective of his love, of ourselves, of our hope of being saved, and that that our continuing understanding and trusting in and uh, the perspective of his love will be the means or the basis by which we continue to live a saved life and endure unto the end of this saved. <clears throat> now all of that is a mouthful. It's all a mouthful. <laughs> There's plenty there. But let's talk, let's, let's go back to verse uh, six. And, and in this lesson, I'm going to jump back and forth between translations. Uh, so for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Amplified says, while we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. The first step of being saved, of coming to salvation, is to acknowledge, I can't save myself. I can't. You cannot. First step. If I, if I come to God, but I'm still trying to save myself by, by living religion. Now, are there shalls and shall nots in the Bible? Yes. They are not do's and don'ts of religion. Why? Because the Word of God's already taught, I can't do this. I can't keep that. I don't have the strength to do the do's and not do the don'ts. So the Bible, Paul taught, taught in Romans 7, that the purpose of the law is to prove to me that I am a sinner so that to me my sin becomes exceedingly sinful, so that I will acknowledge, like Paul did, the things I want to do I can't do, and things I don't want to do I, I can't not do them. To, to, to desire to do right is present with me because God gave it to me. And, and, but how to do that, I don't know, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The love of God. The grace of God, which is the love of God in action in my life and your life. So that's the first step to, become, to, to, to having any chance of being saved. <clears throat> and, and especially with males, we are so macho. We are out to prove to everybody the man we are. And so it's very difficult for us to come to the place. Of course, it's really difficult for any human, isn't it? To acknowledge that we can't do this. Jesus said, without me, John, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. But believing that and acting and living as someone who believes that, who totally trusts in Christ, that's a different thing altogether, isn't it? It's one thing to say that I need him. It's another thing to live like I need him. And that's the first point of being saved. While we were in yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time Christ died for, uh, in behalf of the ungodly. 
uh, we says it this way for verse six, for when we were yet without strength in a strategic season, Christ instead of and in behalf of those who do not have reverence for God and, uh, and are devoid of piety died. Let me read that again. For when we were yet without strength in a strategic season, Christ instead of and in behalf of those who do not have reverence for God and are devoid of piety died. Now, how lost am I? I am so lost without God that the only way God himself could save me was to die in my place. I've said this many times. And I'm saying it again right here. God did not come to give me a better life and make me a better person. There is no way. That's not what he come for. I don't have the strength to do that. And he didn't come to help me have a better life and help me be a better person. He came to reveal himself to me and reveal me to me so that I know I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do it. I need a savior. (laughs) And what a revelation it was to me many, many years ago as a minister and as a pastor that I had to come to the con- the, the understanding, and he brought me, <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant trip, to the understanding that I will always need a Savior. Every day, every moment of the day, there's never a moment in any part of any day that I can save myself by being good. Ever. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because keeping his word is not earning salvation. It's the demonstration of the fact I've received his love. Because the grace of God is working in me, both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. So this is, this is the first part of this, this step. Verse 6 says it this, this way. Uh, verse 7, excuse me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, Amplified says this way, beginning verse 7. Now, it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life even for an upright man. Though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. It is an extraordinary fact. <laughs> for God, Last lesson, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 1.18 says, No man hath seen God in any time. The only begotten Son, who, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. But then going back up to verse 14, listen to what it says about the Son. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is the one who died for you. This is the one who died for me. That's why the angel told Mary in Matthew chapter 1 that the one that was going to be birthed from her was going to be his name, he was going to be a son, his name was going to be called Jesus, and he was going to save his people from his sins, from their sins. And that another title of his name would be Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God manifesting himself in the body of the man Christ Jesus, the son of God that was born of the woman, is the, it, it was God beginning to make the way where he, whereby he could be not just with us, but in us. God did that. He did that because we can't do it ourselves. God did that. God did that. In uh, First uh, uh, Timothy three sixteen, and great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, uh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the world, and received up into glory. God, the only God we will ever see. No man has seen God at any time except in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter. 4 verse 6 says, that's how the only way we can see God is in the face of Christ. And so God, we could have all understood if God manifested himself to be the king and just said, okay, I'm now the king. This is my kingdom. I'm ruling the whole world and everybody's going to do what I say. It would have been justified. He's the creator. He could have done that, but he didn't do that because he wanted everybody that's going to spend eternity with him to want to be with him by their choice. And so he recommends his love to us by what he did for us. This is his demonstration. God, God went so far in humbling himself, according to Philippians chapter 2, he went so far in humbling himself that he made himself available to you and I. But he didn't just stop there. According to Hebrews chapters 9 and 10, that body became the sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sins. So that my sins can come to, my, my sins can be taken away. My sins can be sent before me to judgment. And I can be reconciled, Second Corinthians chapter 5. I can be reconciled to God through the death of Christ on the cross and my faith in Him. Trusting, clinging, relying on Him by obeying His word. His love compels me and empowers me both to obey his word. This is what faith is. And, and listen to Paul's reminder here in uh, the last two verses of this, uh, this 
lesson that I'm cover, going to cover here. Verse 9, verses 9 and 10. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. <laughs> oh, praise God. Praise God. Did you hear that? If when I was a sinner, Christ died for me. When I was still living in my own sin and doing my own will and had no concern about God and what He thought of me and my life and I was giving no, no consideration to my eternal destination. If Christ died for me when I was His enemy, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. If he did all of that when we were his enemies, how much more is he willing to do for you and I to keep us saved, to help us stay saved? How much more is he willing to do? If he was willing to do all of that when we were enemies, you know, I, I would hope that if I see any individual in trouble, and I would help them. I would hope that would be the case. The Christ in me is going to want to help them to show by my deed the love of Christ, to let Christ demonstrate himself to people. But if I would do that for a stranger, what would I do for one of my sons? What would I do for one of my daughters-in-law? What would I do for one of my grandchildren? What would I do for my wife? If I, if the love of Christ would compel me to help somebody that's a stranger, I have no relationship with. There's nothing I expect from them, and nothing I want. Uh, I want from them. Just to help them. What in the world would I do for those that I love, that I have the most relationship for? That's what the Lord's saying here. So when the devil says God doesn't love you and he can't help, he's not going to help you, he's not going to do anything for you, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. He does love you. And he knows my frame, that it's made of the dust. And he knows that even though he lives in me, I'm still not going to do this perfectly. And that's why he is the propitiation for our sins. John, first John chapter one says, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful to just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness, the righteous. He did all of that to help me be saved and stay saved even when I don't do things perfectly. But I have to confess those sins. He cannot forgive what I will not confess as sin. He will not help me with what I don't give to Him. And by confessing my sins, my faults, my failures, my missing of the mark, He's able to forgive me, and then He's able to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and then He's able to help me because I'm more humble now. <laughs> I tried, I failed, now I've had to acknowledge this. 
I've had to receive that, that love and grace and cleansing all over again from those things. And now hopefully I'm more humble and willing to seek Him and trust Him and do it His way. Because every time you or I do it our way, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. Because He's going to let us. Because He only blesses and empowers His way, His will. He does not bless and empower us doing our will. Or us doing His will through our human ability and strength. He doesn't bless that. We're going to fail. Because that's the process of this life. But these verses, and in the next lesson I'm coming back to uh, uh, the, the first five verses of chapter uh, of, of chapter 5 of Romans, just to show you again, he tells us what all love will help, help how it helps us, but then he tells us the foundation of that help, this love, and this is the foundation. This is the foundation of that help. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And the love of God is the grace of God in action in me. God is at work in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if God is at work in me, God, his love, if I've got God, I've got, I've got his love. His, his, I've got his spirit. So God's God, His love, His Spirit at work in me, both to will and to do of His good pleasure, is called grace. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. And the grace of God says, no matter, no matter how much I struggle, no matter how bad a day I have, no matter how much I have consciously or un- subconsciously done things my way, when I confess that, he will forgive me, and then we can try this again. And he'll say, now let's try this again my way. And here's my ability to do this through you. Because when it's all done and said, what are you going to do? Because I'm giving you my power and my love, and I'm, I've forgiven you, and now I'm going to do it through you. What, so what, what, what's the result of that? I'm going to give him all the glory. I'm going to give him all the praise and thanks because he's the one that has done this in, by, and through me. I want to read, uh, in closing this lesson, I want to read uh, those last five verses, verses 6 through 10, uh, from Weiss again. For when we were yet without strength, in a strategic season, Christ, instead of, and in behalf of those who do not have reverence for God and are devoid, devoid of piety, died. So he didn't die for good people. He died for everybody. Because there are no good people from God's perspective because there's none good but one, that's God. We can call people good and people bad, but God calls everybody sinners. Everybody's a sinner. Nobody's good enough to save themselves, including your dear, sweet grandma. Well, how can she be lost? Because... You don't know what she lived like when she was 18 or 20 or 22 or any other time in her life. And the things she did that uh, she never repented for. That she still is going to face judgment for. And no matter how good and sweet she was as your grandma. 
from God's perspective, she's still the sinner that did all these things, and she's not humble about those, and she hadn't confessed those and not repented those. Now, we don't want to hear that. But these are eternal truths. These are not temporal truths. These are eternal truths that must be applied in the temporal. That we must see the temporal from the perspective of the eternal. And that's why this is so very important. So, reading verse 6 one more time. For when we were yet, this is the we, is we, for when we were yet without strength in a strategic season, Christ instead of and in behalf of those who do not have reverence for God and are devoid of piety died. For rare, very rarely in behalf of one of those individuals who is legally exact and precise in observance of the customs and rules of the society in which he lives and will anyone die. Yet perhaps in behalf of the one who is a generous in heart, always doing good to others, a person would even dare to die. How many times have we heard the stories in many wars where one soldier puts himself in a place where his life is taken to spare the other soldiers around him? And and our minds go, why would he die for those guys he didn't know till he joined the army and got assigned to their platoon or whatever, when he's got a wife or, a, or she's got a husband or they, there's children or there's parents, there's relatives or friends back home that are going to grieve you dying because, and it is so common, you hear it, you talk to anybody that's been in combat, there comes a point where you're so connected to those around you. Their life depends on you. Your life depends on them. You be, It's such a bond of brothers and brotherhood that it's so, it's so painful when they die that when you're in the foxhole with a couple of guys and these are your brothers and, and, and the grenade is thrown into that foxhole, that someone without thought, without consideration of those that are back home because they're out of sight, out of mind. Those guys right there right now are about to die and you've seen enough of your friends and brothers in arms die. And without thinking, your whole motive is to throw yourself on that grenade and spare their lives. And some of those guys have gotten Congressional Medals of Honor for that. And and the family back home is saying, why would you do that? We needed you. But in that moment, that person's love for those that they're serving with is such a strong bond, it compels them to do what doesn't make sense to the natural mind, especially those that are not in that situation. And so... Paul says, you know, it's possible that this will happen. You know, who, who's going to die for uh, uh, the sinner? Who, some, some, some might die for a good person. Some might die for those that you uh, are, are, are very good. But God is constantly proving his own love to us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ in behalf of us died. Much more therefore. Having we, having been justified now by his blood, we shall be saved 
through him from the wrath. For though, while, for though, while being enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we are being, we, we shall be saved by his life he, by the life he possesses. His life in me, working in me, is going to save me. That's how I get saved. That's how I live saved. That's how I come to the end of this, endure to the end saved. Reach the end of my faith, which is the salvation of my soul. Because I trust that love every day. And if I don't know God or I, and or I don't know his love, and I'm not trusting that love because that's his ultimate motive. God's ultimate motive is his love. Then I don't, I, I allow the devil to tell me that he's angry at me and, and that there's no hope and he's done. It's over with. They're all lies. That's lies. That's lies. God will never walk away from me. I can walk away from God. God won't walk away from me. Now I can't eventually convince God that it is a waste of his time to continue trying. <clears throat> and he will no longer strive with me. But do you know how hard that is? You know how hard it is to be lost? I have to completely discount the love of God to be lost. Because the love of God is going to be constantly working in my life day and night. Trying to get my attention. Trying to help me to repent. Trying to help me to live according to his word every day. Every day. That's what God's going to do. This is his recommended love to you. To you. In the next lesson, I, I want to discuss those things that the love of God will do for us, to us, through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose upon you and impart to you the spirit of the revelation of the love of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.